We have so much going on this week, Spags, that we decided to bring in our biggest guest of all. It is, of course, Mr. COVID-19 joining us today. What else do we have on tap? I hope literally not joining both Pete and I for this show because we're going to try to push through it. But the NFL overcome by COVID. So we're going to talk about all that's going on there, including a possible cancellation slash changes to the Saturday slate of games. We also are going to do some succession talk because we've been meaning to do it all week. and We want to compare some fantasy players to succession characters. And also we are going to do our ride or die picks for every game that we presume is going to happen in week 15. So Pete, hit that intro. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I'm Chris Spags, joined by your friend and mine, Peter Overzet. How are you doing, Pete? And how are you feeling about that big buyback on Top Shot? Yeah, you know, I'm feeling uh, pretty flush uh, right now, feeling generous. So uh, play your cards right, Spags, and maybe I'll send you a Bruno Fernando Series 2 common moment. Oh, I have uh, a couple of Pascal Siakams out there that I need to get rid of. So Chris Boucher, I bought one Chris Boucher at $40 thinking, oh, this guy gets a lot of fantasy points. This is only going to go up in value and got five packs yesterday. Pete, I can tell you not a single player I think you would even know or care about in the packs that I got yesterday. Well, what's so crazy is I don't know if you've seen some of the NFL all day packs and I don't know 60% of the names in those either. So uh, that's a that's a theme for me. Uh, we are going to dig into it all here. So, of course, if you are watching on Pete's channel, make sure you're subscribed. We are dangerously close to 10,000 subs on Pete's channel. Also, did you see, Pete, that because we have COVID in the headline, uh, we now have like a little alert underneath our video on the on your channel about COVID-19 and getting the latest information from the CDC in case we're going to do some misinformation here? I, I didn't see that. I see that normally pop up on like Instagram when someone references uh, COVID. There'll be the little pop-up post, but I didn't know we, uh, we got that treatment. Let's make sure we don't get deep platform for our radical ideas yeah we we would hate to have the influence we have over everybody out there but i'm going to use my influence for good instead of evil by directing you guys to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe lots of exciting things in the works over there but right now you can get access to all the data it's going to help you make better decisions for slates for individual showdown games in particular look up the defense versus receivers that's one way that to me ended up putting just a lot of uh well i guess not a lot i did one lineup yesterday for the showdown ended up putting both tyree kill and travis kelsey in there both paid off in a big way dvoa told me to do that with their wide receiver one and tight end dvoa numbers so go get in there it's just one way to use it over at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe it's all the deal going you get a year's worth of data for just 99 cents a week on there so go footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe Pete, I don't even know where to begin, but I did have one note. And of course, I already closed out of my note sheet because that's how frenetic it was before the show, trying to update Snapcouch, trying to put news in. But the tweet from Dan Graziano about the new NFL COVID protocols. Oh, is there news as I'm talking? Yeah, they just flexed the Saturday game to Monday. So that so what's going to happen? Because there are tournaments right now. I presume that just means tomorrow's game is going to be like a showdown. The Like the yeah. other, the non-Browns game. I assume I assume they'll cancel that, right? Um, cancel that slate and refund people on the two game slate. So it would it would be Patriots Colts then I think for a showdown, which is a big enough game yeah. honestly to get showdown money. Yeah, no, I think that that'll be a good big uh, showdown slate, and then who knows? We might get uh, we could get a four game like Monday to Tuesday slate potentially. Like if they, flex, I never play those. But... I hate those. No, no, it would be a two like so. I don't like the Monday to Thursday ones, but a Monday to Tuesday would be like the wild card weekend in divisional, like two day slates. Okay, uh, yeah, I guess that's a little more logical. I still prefer the one day, like, and it's not even a money thing. It's just that I want it to be done. I want to be moved out of my life and not thinking about, oh, can I save this lineup that had somebody that put up two point five fantasy points? But I guess good to know that we got the news there. Uh, but I guess the update here to the COVID protocols, and this was from Dan Graziano, and I saw it in the Fantasy Life newsletter that Pete lovingly crafts every single day of the week during seasons. Uh, but he says, to be clear, the new NFL COVID protocols make it possible for anyone who's tested positive this week to test back in and play 
this weekend. And yes, even if they tested positive today and play on Saturday, that could be the case as long as they're vaccinated and show no symptoms. And there's been a thing bubbling, Pete, where I've been seeing lots of reports on social media. Baker Mayfield came out pretty strongly and apparently represents a lot of the players views, guys that just want to get rid of the protocols entirely. The union, I guess, doesn't share that. So it's, it's a weird thing that they're not representing the high profile players talking publicly about it. But they're saying that they want to keep some protocols, but want people to be able to test in. I don't it's been hard to follow this as it is where some guys could be gone for 10 days immediately. Some guys can get back in. And now I just feel like it's even more convoluted where we've kind of figured out how to adapt for injury news throughout the week. And oh, this guy didn't practice Thursday. Start to watch out. He didn't practice Friday. He's fucked like for COVID. I don't know what to do anymore. And we still have three more weeks in the year. Yeah, uh, I I don't know either. Um, it does seem like a pretty big win for the NFLPA of just already kind of they had been lobbying to push some of these games. And I I had said, I mean, I think it's close to a zero percent chance that the NFL, you know, moves anything in a meaningful way. Like they're still keeping this on the week 15, you know, schedule. Uh, but I mean, Roger Goodell is a show must go on kind of guy. And I, I am honestly impressed that the NFL PUA was even able to get them to flex this game to um, Monday. But doesn't it open a Pandora's box? Like, can't so many of these teams make a case that they're playing? Wouldn't they all like a couple, two extra days to heal up, get their COVID tests in order? Like, I don't know. It feels a little unfair to some of these other teams that are hurting, too. Like, doesn't Washington want to postpone their game? That's exactly what I, the one that I was thinking of, too. And maybe that's a little bit of the, a give back for the Dan Snyder news getting swept under the rug. Pretty bad of him I'm, uh, reportedly trying to block uh, some of the investigations into him. But I, I agree with you. Like the Browns, I think, have a, a strong case for wanting a postponement. But the football team has one of the best cases, too, where they now have Taylor Heineke also in the COVID protocols joining his backup QB, Kyle Allen, a guy that they just signed, I guess, off of waivers. He was on the Patriots at some point is, and is on the DK player pool because he was on the Patriots. But Garrett Gilbert, uh, who I think I hyped up touted pretty hard last year on my backup QBs uh, for the Cowboys run. He was actually, I think, the only one that was pretty decent uh, overall. I mean, actually, that's not fair. That's not fair to Cooper Rush, I'm sure, who cares deeply about this. But yeah, Greg R saying the Broncos literally played a wide receiver at QB last season where things were more dangerous and more uh, completely variable out there. I don't get it. It just seems unfair to everybody. And I agree, like the Pandora's box thing is is very much of note where it's just it's just a bunch of teams that I think would all have to politic to get a bye week or an extra bye week here with injuries and also COVID ruining everything. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think there there's probably going to be some other teams that are, are going to the league and trying to get this treatment as well. Uh, I do want to pass along some other breaking news from this morning. The Giants just announced Fan Appreciation Day for Sunday yeah. season. Ticket holders get a free medium soda, Specs. <laughs> what? A free medium <laughs> soda? That's, I mean, that's pretty good. You think that you can mix sodas up in there, get a little wild and do your Coke remix? I mean, nothing on, uh, you know, being in stadium on a COVID, uh, you know, outbreak would make me more inclined to, you know, mix my Mountain Dew with Dr. Pepper. It sounds like a great time. Honestly, they couldn't even get, I get it's, it's cheaper, it's lower effort, but like a bobblehead, maybe the supply chains for bobbleheads are pretty bad right now, but uh, like a Saquon bobblehead at least has a value. And oh, here we go. The football team at Philly could now be played on Tuesday. I actually have a friend who's in town in Philly who was, I was going to meet up with, and he, he might actually be here now. I haven't checked in, but he's a, a PA for Fox and on, on their football coverage. And I guess he's going to be spending a, a nice five-day weekend in, <laughs> in Philly now, which a lovely place to be, Pete. I don't know if you've heard. Uh, yeah, I, I think I, that'd be a hard pass for me. Um, man, this slate, dude, I, it's like, I, I did my show with jam to win and we didn't even talk about this specific slate for like more than two minutes, because I do think it's just going to be completely pointless until inactives come out on Sunday at 1130, as far as how to make lineups. I mean, it is such a shit show right now. I would say if that game does get moved, Garrett Gilbert, an interesting showdown option, a guy that I was impressed handling the Steelers when they actually blitzed last year. So I will, I'll put my hat in the ring. They'll talk more about that on Monday's show. I, I guess if that game does get moved. Um, also one thing I just wanted to note this, it was in my social media feeds and I couldn't find the exact tweet, but one of the reports about the Raiders when this was all up in the air still, and they were, the Raiders were supposed to travel at 1130 Pacific time today. Uh, they were apparently told to quote unquote, stand down, which I was like, what, what is this? It's a football game. Like they're not soldiers on the front lines or, hiding from Kim Jong-un at the uh, the DMZ. It's like, no, they're just traveling to go to, to the Browns. I guess going to Cleveland, honestly, could be like standing down. Yeah. Uh, sorry. I was just catching up on Schefter's feed. It's just, I had missed a couple of these before. So yeah, there was the Washington football team 
at Philly uh, could be placed Tuesday. And NFL discussing switching Seahawks at Rams to Tuesday as well. Um, I know Seahawks had, I mean, they had Lockett and well, you got Odell Lockett, Alex Collins, a bunch of the defenders on the Rams. I mean, this is such a shit show. I mean, this could be like a six game slate on Sunday. Well, we'll do our best to cover it as we can, Pete. And there was one news item that did come out with some clarity besides, I guess, the Washington QB situation that now might not be pertinent to the Sunday slate. But the Dolphins did get two running backs back, Pete. They got Savon Ahmed back, Miles Gaskin. Uh, How does that affect your worldview on Miami after we talked about them yesterday, potentially having nobody at running back besides Duke Johnson and Malcolm Brown? Yeah, I think it's I think it's kind of interesting just because it's the Jets uh, that they're playing. Um, I am going to work under the assumption that Gaskin will kind of step into lead back duties right away. Um, you know, Ahmed's played well in the past, but they seem to prefer Gaskin as their lead back. And yeah, this is a great spot. Um, we've also seen this year uh, we talk a lot about like stacking and stuff in DFS and what. Sh- QB running back stacks are viable. I think a Tua Gaskin stack is honestly viable with how much he catches passes and just the fact that they could, you know, they could put up 35 points in this spot against the Jets. No Jalen Waddle. I think they'll use Gaskin a decent a bit. Yeah, I actually have Gaskin projected as my favorite Dolphin besides Tua, which is always a thorny thing. And we talked a lot about Devontae Parker yesterday picking up a lot of the slack with Jalen Waddle. I mean, we'll see with these new COVID rules if somehow he can get back in. Maybe he is vaccinated and can test his way um, out of the protocols. But I think that Gaskin, to me, would be an interesting pivot, especially if we do see some of that chalky ownership uh, going Devontae Parker's way. And Pete, I know you recover all the injuries. I feel like Michael Carter being back for the Jets in that same game is kind of interesting, but I don't want to only talk about the Jets in Miami. So what injuries do you want to talk about that we actually have clarity on? Um, Yeah, so we've started to get a little bit more clarity. Like Leonard Fournette hadn't practiced all week, but then returned to a limited practice. They said he's going to be fine. Javante Williams hadn't been practicing. He returned to practice today. So that's interesting. I am curious um, about uh, kind of if, Darrell Henderson would maybe play on Sunday or not. Haven't really heard much about that. Maybe he has a chance if they delay that game. Um, I'm curious about the Eli Mitchell stuff. Uh, He hasn't been practicing. So, you know, Jeff Wilson becomes very interesting to me there. Uh, We just had the news for tomorrow that Damian Harris is out. So Mm -hmm. Ramondre Stevenson is going to be a project for a really nice workload. So there's so much, and I feel like even just being on shows the past couple hours, I'm sure there's a bunch I missed. Yeah, I was trying to go through, get my snap counts updated, and get the news and our segment sheet prepared, because I like to have everything ready to go, especially with the news items, make sure we're covering as best we can. And there are so many moving parts right now that are hard to, to fully get there. But I agree with you, the Ramondre Stevenson one is a really big one. If you're in your playoffs right now, and you have him on your bench, and you weren't thinking about not playing him, I think he is a must play. Um, and a guy that could actually get you, you know, if you're in a championship round, or just get, trying to advance in the playoffs, that's a really important one. But for showdown too, Pete, like, I would have him projected as the best player in that entire game. I think actually, uh, no, a little bit behind Jonathan Taylor, but like that workload has been the whole issue for him. And we talked about this in the one week that Damian Harris didn't play. He was an absolute monster. It was already trending that way. As we talked about numbers don't lie yesterday that uh, Damian Harris got hurt. Stevenson ended up with a higher snap count overall. And I think that in this spot, I think Ramondre Stevenson, this is like the breakout game for him going against Indianapolis, another team that is willing to play it close to the vest as well. Um, I know we get, we're jumping all over here, but the Saturday slate to me or the Saturday showdown, that'll be the case now on DraftKings. I don't know how you fade Ramondre Stevenson. Yeah, he's going to be an awesome play. He's going to catch passes. Uh, they're going to use him a ton. He's really talented. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to get another bell cow Ramondre Stevenson game. And I don't know. I've, I've now been kind of shifted to the mode too, where I've started to think about all of these playoff contests, whether FFBC underdog, it's similar for the TOC stuff I've been doing and how people handle this Patriots backfield for playoff contests is really interesting because the Patriots, you know, look like they're going to make a deep run. They're built for playoff football. And, you know, most people assume Damian Harris, the lead back, but could we see a flippening here, a real flippening over the past couple of weeks heading into playoffs where Ramondre is their lead primary back for the playoff stretch. Also, uh, the NBA, I'm getting alerts for that too because the Kings are being ravaged by COVID too and just lost to Aaron Fox. It is a tough time. I know, Pete, you're, you're always very singularly focused on the NFL because you're doing so many different things, different shows, different pieces of content that you really only have so much brain space. As somebody like me who tries to juggle both as best I can, my head is spinning. Like I don't, even, I haven't even looked at NBA yet because I'm like, I'll figure this out in the before we go see Spider-Man tonight, I'll get my lineups in and they'll be instantly ruined by somebody getting ruled out. 
Wow, are you going to late swap while you're watching Spider-Man? I will probably do global swaps from my phone if I have to. I'll keep my, my underdog alerts on. Uh, but it is, it's just like, it's really tough. And it's weird because like, you know, we both got our boosters this week. We like, we, I, I think you haven't had COVID at any point, right? Yeah, me, I mean, either. Wood, like, buddy. Yeah. So I, I know there's a lot of people that have and have had the breakthrough cases and whatever and all that. It's just weird that like, because my life, I feel like feels close to normal. Like it feels like things are mostly the way they should be. Or we have the house getting painted. Those guys aren't wearing masks. So I'm sure that's going to be the fucking. You'll hear me next week talk about. I can't believe the painters gave us COVID. It's just I don't know what to make of this, and it just feels incongruent to my personal experience. Yeah. No, I I understand where you're coming from. It is. It is weird. And I, it, I'm now at the point too, where like some of the things that I had just been doing pretty casually now, despite being vaccinated and booster and being like, well, I just, I love going to the sauna. Like, I, I mean, am I at the point in territory where now I need to start thinking through some of those decisions like that? So yeah, it's unfortunate that we're at this spot. And shout out to Shill saying he's also in the COVID protocols. Very thankful for the stream to get him through and also calling me out for not wanting to swap at the movies. Spider-Man is apparently a three and a half hour showing. I don't know if that's just like the trailers plus uh, the post credit scenes and mid credit scenes and all of that. But it's a long time to strap in for a movie that's not Avengers Endgame. Dude, I, I've had this take before. Um, I don't think it's a popular take, but I don't think any movie should be over 90 minutes. It's just like completely unnecessary. And anytime I watch a movie that's over that, I'm like, why did we need that scene? Why did we need that whole section? Like it was completely useless. So I don't know, maybe TV, maybe my ADD personality, the internet, my relationship with technology, it ruined my attention span, but I still stand by that take. I agree for the most part. Like, you know what it is? I was I got a, was talking to a basketball court guy because I was trying to figure out just what goes into getting a basketball court. And this is my life right now is every day just talking to various contractors and figuring out how to actually- In your backyard? Yeah, that's that's the goal is to have that because obviously we're raising a boy named Luca. I want him to see Luca on the TV and go outside and be like, I want to shoot like Luca. And then we're going to fucking get him in advanced analytics, learn the value of a long range three. Also, he's going to learn how to dribble better than I do. Point being, it's a whole hassle. And he was talking to me about like, you know, permits and all this stuff and how you have to get like special. Uh, I forget what it's called, but like a special permit, basically, if you're doing something that's outside of what's written in, in the, the documents out there. And I feel like that's what movies should be like. You have to get a special permit if you're going to do a movie over two hours how i feel about it a long-winded way of getting to the same point that i actually agree with you for once i uh i guess the biggest revelation to me is that you want your son to be shane battier which uh <laughs> i think is a worthy goal i want him to be luka Doncic. i want him to be a dribble first assist really ball handling guard again i was always weak at ball handling great shot i can go out there right now and knock down 50 percent from three uh not defended i'm gonna say that but i will say that i shane battier a hustle player sure that's the fallback heat you want the glamour shots you want the step back threes first you want to be james harden minus the obesity uh, Ivan Flag says he can't watch a movie, but I somehow watch Pete for four straight hours. I I should also only be you know uh, exposed to in, in doses of ninety minutes or less. I apologize to everyone marathoning uh, shows today. I'm that sick is, of myself. That is a good point. You are a gigantic hypocrite, Pete. <laughs> yes. How curious you tell me not to watch movies over ninety minutes, and yet you put out twenty hours of content a week. <laughs> Honestly, when you lay it out like that, it really does seem like you're doing some self-serving Pete propaganda where it's like, who's got time for movies? Just watch my one hour streams bit by bit. <laughs> you know what? Nick did if Nick like this Mag Magnolia is probably my all-time favorite movie, and you got me with like the one exception that would actually get me to walk back by take. Uh Magnolia is a phenomenal movie. I, I liked Endgame a lot. Like, and that one was definitely more in the two and a half hour range, but it was like, wow, it's paying off a decade of seeing these films. And, and it really, you know, I did see every Marvel film before that. So I felt like that was uh, definitely one that uh, would hit close to home. But I don't know. Like, I think there's, again, it's special exemptions where Magnolia, yeah, you have Paul Thomas Anderson doing a movie, Tom Cruise doing his shit. Like, yeah, that should be three hours. And I think that's where the, Pete, we could start this as a business for ourselves. We can create a little niche for ourselves, getting permits to movies that we deem that we want to see that are going to be long enough. Sounds like a great use of our time. <laughs> we have a long off season, Pete. I don't know if you've heard. Speaking of, uh, it's time, Pete. We have we want to talk about Succession too. I've been meaning to do it all week, and the season three finale was on Sunday, so I don't know if this is timely enough, or we or if we were being like even kinder by giving people a few days to watch. And I'm sure we can get through it without spoiling, Pete. But how do you want to approach our comparison of NFL players' Succession as we really find every esoteric thing we can to compare players to? Yeah. I mean, I think the 
for the people who aren't familiar, uh, just to give you a little base. So Succession is a show on HBO that follows this like Rupert Murdoch-esque, you know, like TV mogul conglomerate uh, run by uh, Mr. Logan Roy. And his kids are all these just irredeemable fuck-ups who have just been given everything in life without ever having to work or struggle for it. And they're incredibly entitled, but they're all kind of jockeying uh, to kind of take over the family business when Logan uh, inevitably passes on. And so that's kind of just like the dynamics of the show. And I would also say like it basically paints the most unflattering portrait of being wealthy that you can, you could ever imagine because these people have literally billions of dollars and are the most miserable, unhappy people in the world. And the only things that make them happy are like power and like perverted games and entertainment, like basically just any way to get their rocks off. Um, that lays the groundwork. So we can either go like macro comps for like, is a team like all of the Roy siblings, or we can go, you know, individual comps for, for each of these guys, even though they have a lot of overlap with each other. So I laid out, I have a few individually. I also have one thing that's been in my head and honestly is part of why I want to do the segment for the entire week is that um, I saw on Reddit some thread and I forget which subreddit it was. It might've been the succession one, might've been the Barcel one actually. Uh, but somebody saying that Shiv Roy, like they just watched the show for the first time. And I was like, which one is the one that looks like Garfield? And I was like, that's an unbelievably mean, but like, I think Shiv is very attractive to be clear, but she does kind of look like a sexy anthropomorphic Garfield. I'm not. I thought we we're going to compare these to players, not uh, objectify their looks, Spags. Well, I think it could be a little bit of both. <laughs> the Shiv one is one I don't have an answer to yet. Maybe we'll land on it, but I, I'll throw out a Logan first. And I think there's a coach comp, there's a player comp, and conveniently enough, these two are pretty intertwined. And I actually only wrote down the coach comp. The Bill Belichick one, I think when you yeah. watch the season, that's Logan. How does he keep winning is really the thing that narratively is getting to the point where that has to shift a little bit in succession. But also Belichick this year, where it's like you got Mac Jones, the most system QB in the draft he turns him into something special or you know something special relative to the Patriots ecosystem but you could also say the same for Tom Brady like how does he keep going at this level how does he keep you know keeping guys at bay you know knocking down the Jimmy Garoppolo's you know knocking down guys getting them in there getting them in his pocket instead uh same way that we do see a Logan do that including the season with the the player played uh the actor uh who was, was on True Blood whose name escapes me as the character uh but the guy who's got the other startup the Gojo startup I'm not um, familiar with True Blood Alexander yeah. Skarsgård is the actor's name oh, but anyway yeah, yeah. But yeah, point being, like, I think Belichick and Tom Brady are the Logans, and I think that's a pretty clear-cut one that I don't know you go any other direction unless you went Roger Goodell's way. No, I think Belichick is absolutely perfect, and even some things that played out in that final scene where Logan was, you know, one step ahead of his kids, um, in the same way Belichick is always kind of one step ahead of the league. And does he have his faults? Sure, Logan has his faults as well, but his ability to kind of anticipate these moves and always win. And now we're, we're here, right? We thought the Patriots would have to have a couple years rebuilding. We didn't know if Belichick was going to be long for the franchise. And now immediately they look like one of the best teams in the AFC. And it's like, of course, Logan was always going to win. Of course, Bill Belichick was always going to find a way to get a top seed in the AFC, even with Mac Jones at his quarterback. And I guess you could say the analogy here is Logan Roy is trying to find a new heir uh, as he, you know, mashes up his whatever fertility juice, that's what Mac Jones was. You know, he he got rid of, uh, you know, the Tom Brady and said, you know what, we could just backfill. We'll get another air. We don't need you. So I, I think that comp is perfect. All right. So I'll, I'll give you the floor for one then, because I have a few more teed up here, but I'll say, do you have a Kendall comp? Kendall was one I was struggling with. I'll, I'll do one that I had. I think Shiv is Josh Allen because she basically has had the like most potential to actually be the heir to the throne. Um, you know, she had the inside track. She has the smarts. Um, we've seen it with Josh Allen. He has the upside. Um, and yet every time she gets so close, it seems to get pulled out from underneath them. And I think now that we've seen this flash with Josh Allen, and now we're at the part, you know, where we start to wonder, can he ever overcome you know, Logan and the Patriots. Can he ever overcome, you know, Tom Brady uh, as the Logan there and, and get to the top and win a Super Bowl? Or is he just going to be perpetually close, has the tools and the stuff, but it's just not going to come together for him? And two people that I'm sexually attracted to, both Josh Allen and Shiv. <laughs> Equally, I've been standing to that Josh Allen for a while and Shiv, I agree. And all Josh Allen needs to do is wear some nice form-fitting dresses for himself. I think people will be right back on board with the rebrand. I like, it. I feel like these comps are easier for like coaches and quarterbacks just because mm -hmm. they're the central 
protagonists and stuff. Uh, I, I want you to do one. I, I think I'm, I'm workshopping one in my head right now that I think I might be able to land, but you go so next. I've got a couple that I think are good, but I'm going to go with one. So I'm going to go a little bit outside football here, but related. And I, I tweeted this and it had some pushback. I know our pal Frankie was pushing back on it too and was deeply offended because I've gone against a few things that he liked recently. But I'm not a Roman guy. I find Roman annoying. I think that kind of oh. changed. Season finale, I thought he did a good job uh, showing a little more emotional depth and finally having a bit of a spine. But to me, just being a wiener boy, he's always got to get in the best line like i relate to like i want to get in the good lines too like i, I can see that but i just it's just creepy and, and a little bit manipulative i mean they're all a little bit manipulative or more than a little bit but i think jackson mahomes this week has got to be the roman <laughs> just him getting it you tell me yeah tell me how he i just saw that he got canceled and i literally know nothing else about what happened so basically there was some like local beloved Kansas city bar that like he was shitting on because I think they wouldn't let him in or something or they didn't, or like he got in and didn't wasn't pleased with the experience. So naturally uh, an entitled person who hasn't accomplished much like Jackson Mahomes um, then goes on social media to bash them. Then he also complained in the same week about flying commercial. And it's like, you've done nothing. And granted he is doing well on TikTok, but the entire Mahomes family really crushing on TikTok in a way that I don't want to, you know, undersell that. Cause I'd love to be crushed on TikTok like Jackson Mahomes. But still, like, what have you done? You have done the least out of everybody. Kendall and Shiv, at least. Shiv was managing a political career. Kendall was trying to, you know, exert his force and get a VC going and try to do all these things. Roman just sits there and suckles at the teat. And I think his time is going to come soon, Pete. Though, again, he turned me around the season finale, so a little bit less apt. All right, I'll push back and I'll I'll upgrade the analogy. So uh, Roman has done things. Like, when they needed someone to talk to the president, when Logan wasn't around like Roman was who they turned to because he knew he had kind of the swagger and the confidence to have that conversation when they needed to go and try to work out the deal with Gojo and, and Skarsgård. It was Roman who they sent to go and kind of smooth things over because he's almost a chameleon with how he can talk mm -hmm. to these kind of like VC entrepreneur types and he can really read them. Um, and so I, I think you're selling him short. He can be an absolute weasel and just so immature, but there's highs to lows. And so I would say his comp for me would be Aaron Rodgers, where it's like Ooh. we see Aaron Rodgers like doing all this absurd shit on whatever the Pat McAfee show and the Joe Rogan show and is showing his toe and pouting and saying he's going to host Jeopardy and all this stuff. And then he like comes back and falls in line and is like a really good quarterback at times. We've seen him win a Super Bowl. Um, he can play with the best of them. So we see these like highs and lows with Aaron Rodgers. And sometimes you just want to be fed up with him and just be like, move on with your life, Aaron Rodgers. And then sometimes you watch him in a really good game and you're like, holy cow, he's one of the best people on earth at playing quarterback and we appreciate that so that's that's my comp for for roman that's a good one and i think that better represents the the gamut of feelings one can have and i think at some point i just became contrarian in my head with roman because i just I, I just find a little bit of his his need to be the, the focal point of things annoying overall in a way that probably hits me uh close to home with real life things uh but that's a fair one i think the aaron Rodgers one i'll give you the victory on that one i will say and these these are gonna be perfect comps to be clear there's no correlation between these two but i do have a kendall for you I think it's okay. Jared Goff. He got handed the big bag of money. He is making so much to be the that, Lions' shitty quarterback. Just go off, King, because that is fucking perfect. He, I want to <laughs> so tag it after. <laughs> he was there. He was a, a golden child for a minute there, was being carried by a greater genius than Sean McVay. Now he's on his own, getting trying to do things the way that he thinks is right, throwing 60 times a game, five yards of pop, and looking terrible doing it. To me, Jared Goff and Kendall is the most natural comparison here. Just a guy who is... I'll say failed upwards or at least been mediocre upwards. And I like Kendall too. Like I still will root for these guys. I think they're underdog stories now, but I also think that Jared got like, it's a joke that they're both fucking richer than anybody will ever be doing the things that they do. No, I, I literally think that's perfect too. And you see, you know, Kendall, he like projects this confidence that like all the stuff he's doing is is smart and it's right and all this stuff and it's like you know jared goff goes out there he carries himself like this starting franchise quarterback and it's like you're on the lions you have no chance of doing anything and everyone else is just kind of laughing at, at this and the comp about getting propped up by mcveigh and mcveigh kind of playing to his strengths and putting all these weapons around him and making him look like a competent qb which is what kendall looked like when logan roy was kind of putting him in these positions to succeed but ultimately uh it was logan that made Kendall and not Kendall on his own as we see with Jared Goff. I love it. Yeah, and Jared Goff, I'm I'm sure would have a really fun birthday party too. Probably wouldn't represent himself as Jesus dying on the cross or whatever Kendall's initial idea pitch was for that. But still, I think the comps are strong. Uh, do you have a Kendall or do you want to go somewhere else? Because I, I have I've one more that I think is strong. And I think we also have the looming cousin Greg one that I don't know how we're going to hit. 
Yeah, I want to. I want you to go next. I, I can't top Jared Goff for Kendall. That's perfect. All right, so I got one more, and this one is going to be the most spoilery comparison here, but I'll try to tread the line here so you won't get it ruined. The Succession really is a show. Like, I had it ruined before I watched it and still was fine with it. But Tom, I think, after yesterday's game, Travis Kelsey this year is the Tom Wobbs games where he's just been sitting around fucking doing nothing, having his dumb face on, still a very publicly facing, still beloved from the things he's done in the past, but this year, absolutely nothing. Then he gets to the finale. He gets yesterday's game for Travis Kelsey. All of a sudden, it's like, whoa, this guy is the most important character around. He's leading things. He's making things happen. That, to me, is what it's been like. And granted, I am very biased against Travis Kelsey for making me look like an asshole in the Edge Sports Fantasy Football League. I'm doing this job, coming in as a fantasy DFS betting expert, and Travis Kelsey makes me look like a dick along with Stefan Diggs. Calvin Ridley had mental health issues. That's not the same thing. Either way, Pete, my Tom is going to be Travis Kelsey. Uh, yeah, I, I like that. I think that's very good. Um, I'm really trying to think of one for Greg because the thing, the thing I'm trying to nail for Greg is, you know, someone who appears, you know, completely incompetent and kind of silly, uh, but actually has a lot of leverage and things that could break right for him down the road. Well, you know who it is. It's Mac Jones. I was going to say a rookie yeah. quarterback, but like Mac Jones is almost just like a little bit too put together now in the NFL, but like the old photos of him being yeah, overweight and stuff. Cigar. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so in that analogy then too, I think in this analogy, what we're saying is Travis Kelsey is going to retire on the Patriots and uh, <laughs> with his protege, uh, Greg, uh, by the way, that stuff with Nero and uh, that parallel stuff with uh, what he was saying to Greg, did you see all that stuff? No, I just saw, I mean, I, I saw the, the foreshadowing, but no, I didn't see anything else. So he had made, he had told the story of Nero and Sporus to Greg, like at the beginning of this season when he was in his like, you know, office. Uh, and basically, so Nero pushed his, uh, pregnant wife down the stairs and killed her then grabbed Sporus, who was like a local boy had him castrated dressed him up as a woman and like paraded him around as his wife and the analogy like when you extend it to greg or sorry tom being nero like basically betraying shiv his wife and then calling then he calls greg Sporus hmm. at the end of that episode and basically being like and there also was that kind of like weird sexual energy between mm -hmm. them when they were talking about like their future together and how they would tell it. Like there, I saw the tweets too. They're like, this is flirting. Like this is <laughs> legit flirting. And so this Nero Sporus, I, I read a bunch about it and I was like, holy shit, this writing and this analogy, because that's the exact kind of weird energy that their relationship has. It's also weird too, because succession, I like, I've definitely seen more of the meme posts. And even in that episode where Tom's asking him if you want to dance with the devil or whatever, it's like, Oh, like which devil is he talking about? The foreshadowing was there like all season long in ways that like, people were like, Oh, the Kendall, you know, if he were going to drown in the, the episode, the penultimate episode, it's like, yeah, like, you know, the foreshadowing was there of him being in water a lot, I guess. But this one was actually there. It was spelled out clearly where Tom is like, you're right. Been flirty with Greg pretty much since day one. And, and been, you know, definitely this season, dropping little hints about which way he's going to go and and their excitement and then them being in the same boat because of the legal issues through logan um i agree like i think the show is really well written and then it also gave you all the tidbits there but nobody ever again like fucking travis kelsey nobody saw tom coming here because he's been just lulling us to sleep all year long not really doing anything big noteworthy yeah this uh the show is it's so well written and so well paced and you you know i think back to I don't know. Uh, I don't know why this just came to my head, but kind of like the plot um, expectations that were put on a show like Lost to deliver when you set everything up to be this very plot driven. What's the payoff? What's the mystery reveal? Whereas a show like Succession, even when they teased a potential, sorry, spoiler alert, uh, Kendall death, they didn't even need to go there because all they needed was the interplay and the relationships between these characters and we all felt like the finale delivered. And even from like a plot standpoint, it wasn't like even that plot heavy, but just like the relationships and how well-written it is, is just, it's so good.
Yeah, no, I'm with you. I very much enjoyed it. And actually, somebody in the chat, uh, Den Den, said Urban Meyer equals Connor Roy. I actually have a player who recently retired who'd be my Connor Roy, and that is, in fact, Philip Rivers, a guy who is the he's the eldest son. He should have had his chance. He's like a Fredo mixed with uh, whatever Connor Roy has become, and I think that's him. He was waiting for that shot to land on a Super Bowl team. Honestly, the Colts might be it this year with Carson Wentz, and I think that really, to me, cements Connor Roy as him. And other than the fact that Philip Rivers, I'm his wife, if she's a prostitute, boy, she must have been working real hard to get all those kids out. <laughs> That was such a painful scene when he's like, I'm the eldest. I'm the eldest. It, it just re, it, it shows the pettiness uh, of those characters as well. It's it's so well done. Yeah, just a great show. Any other comps you have here? I feel like we've, we've covered this. We now we really filled the time here. We were worried, not worried, but like, you know, we try to plan the shows out when we have the guests on. We do the bullshitting about what they're going through, catching up, doing the segments. And we really did a little bit of everything here. Well, I well, Spags and I both wanted to talk about succession. We forgot. And you know how bad we wanted to talk about it when we uh, still decided to do the segment uh, a week later. But uh, yeah, I love that show. Uh, highly recommend it uh, if you guys have not seen it. Where is it on your and I don't actually know the depth of your HBO show watching. Where does it rank on your HBO hierarchy? So I'm not I, I'm not a Game of Thrones uh, guy. Okay. Um, it would be it would be very, very high up there. I mean, I like the wire and I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not one of those, like I have top 10 rankings for my favorite shows kind of guy, but to me, it's a pretty flawless show uh, so far. It would be very, very high up there for me. I, I'll see how it's sixth landing. I think right now it'd be behind the wire and the Sopranos for me. I think it's already ahead of game of Thrones because the game of Thrones really not sticking the landing. Um, even though that show definitely sucked me in, you know, in a major way. And I think it's honestly, you know, it's so popular, but I feel like it's to me in that Deadwood tier, like Deadwood, I probably would also put ahead of uh, of Game of Thrones after, again, Game of Thrones really botched the ending there. But I think anyway, I just want to say worth watching this show, if, if nothing else, to catch these once a year bits we do comparing fantasy players to succession. Yeah, for me, yeah, I would put it, Deadwood's a good comp. I'd put it not HBO, but it's like Mad Men level, mm. I think now, just for its like consistency and not having to necessarily focus on super plot driven stuff to keep people's attention. And more deliberately funny, even though Kendall thinks it's not a dark comedy, like he said in that New Yorker interview that he doesn't find anything in it funny, which I think is in some respects what makes it even funnier for him as, as a character and also the actor playing him. But um, yeah, I, I agree. Like it's just a really well done show. And um, and then we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk more about our favorite TV shows over the summer feed and, and the spring and the, everything in between. Yeah, I mean, maybe even next week when the entire league is canceled. <laughs> it's also a good point. Uh, all right, anything else we should hit on before we do our ride or die picks here? I feel like we got about 20 minutes left, so we might as well. Um, also, it's a, worth pointing out officially that the Seahawks and Rams game did get moved. So that in case that wasn't officially confirmed, uh, that game is now on Tuesday along with the Washington game. So kind of interesting situation, though, now we're, we're getting games Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I feel like that doesn't line up that way very often. No. That's uh, that's very unique because I remember it was last year with the COVID stuff. I know we got a Tuesday game. I think it was like a Bills Chiefs game that mm -hmm. got moved, but we didn't have a Saturday game then. So is this the first time ever uh, that we've had a Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday? Oh, you know somebody's getting a thousand retweets and like Darren Rovell already <laughs> tweeted it. I'm sure. It's uh, I think it's interesting, and it, honestly, I feel like this could be one of those things where if we're going to talk about the real Logan Roy of the NFL, Roger Goodell, he probably saw this and was like, let's just see how it would do to have games on four nights in a row. He would love to somehow get a game on Friday, too, just to, just to know what it would be. It really would be. Uh, just football nonstop around the clock. Honestly, like the way how volatile these games are from a COVID perspective, I'm like ready to just go exclusive showdown for this week. <laughs> you know, like I don't even want to deal with the main slate. Just give me a bunch of showdown slates. All right, so let's do ride or die picks. And these are not going to be in perfect order because of the games moving around. And I just want to put that up top here because I do have the Raiders in Cleveland <laughs> as my first game on the board. But Pete, explain to the people ride or die picks, which I have to point out, I'll, I'll pull up the record while you give the spiel up top. But uh, I think you're you're crushing me fully in ride or die picks. Now you might be up like 50 points. Uh, so I'm going to really have to get not only get 10 pointers, but also negotiate hard against you to get good 10 pointers or I am deeply fucked. Yeah, you've uh, you've been trying to negotiate hard, but uh, you come at the king, you best not miss. Uh, we're gonna go. We're gonna do a hot take, uh, bold prediction from each game. We will uh, ha uh, haggle and negotiate over whether the pick is worth one point, three points, or ten points. Ten points, of course, for the most aggressive 
picks, basically Hail Mary type stuff, things with less than 10% chance, a three-pointer, more of like a 33% chance of happening. Uh, and then a one-pointer would be like a 50-50 chance, basically taking the side of a spread bet or an over-under. Those are your typical one-pointers. So I'm looking at the sheet, which of course are Count and Willis updates uh, every single week. And also, Pete, don't forget to send the lowball invite, by the way. That just reminded me in my head. Oh, thank you. I did forget to do that. I'm gonna write um, that but you've apparently won Ryder Die picks the last five weeks, which I think Nick, maybe Nick beat you last week. Nick Ercolano, our pal over at BDGE, who you should be watching if you're not already. Uh, but five weeks in a row of victories. I think I had a similar run last year, but that's impressive to see that many Pete's in a row. And, and quite frankly, very hurtful to me. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, if, if we gave the mortgage King, the low ball title, then I had to redeem some title title, which is of course, uh, the Ryder die King. I mean, if anybody remembers last year, I don't know if you guys were watching splash play last year, we we're really growing in the meantime, I fucking dominated Ryder die picks last year, doing what Pete was calling in nickel and diamond or picking nits with my picks. And now here I am shooting 10 pointers every week and I'm just coming up holding my dick in my hand, Pete. <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, feel free to start trying to chip your way back with one pointers. I think it'd be a very cute strategy. Uh, and even Justin Herbert couldn't come through as captain yesterday. He was looking good for most of that game. Then fucking Kelsey, then Tom Wobbs games. Kelsey went nuts. Either way, let's do it. We got ride or die picks for every game, no matter when they're happening. Starting with the Las Vegas Raiders, <laughs> the Cleveland Browns, 20.8 implied points for the Raiders, 17.3 implied points for Cleveland. Uh, the prices on this one may move around. The players may move around this on this one too, Pete. So I'll let you go first. because That's just the kind of generous guy I am. Yeah, and I didn't even have this one on my stuff. I'm having to pull up my spreadsheet because I didn't even have this one on uh, the main slate. Um, let's say uh, how many I'll, – I'll, I'll let you set the number. How many points does Nick Chubb need to score DraftKings points for me to get 10 points? So I haven't projected because of the short staff situation here where you're losing some Jarvis Landry rushing yards, assuming these guys don't get in. I have met a 23.9 fantasy point projection, so I feel like we're talking 33 and a half. All right, give me give me over 32 points. Okay, I'll give that for a 10 full PPR. Right. All right. Um, how, okay. See, this is tough because it might not be Nick Mullen starting, right? Because they could potentially get Baker or Colt McCoy back. That's the thing. There's more that as uh Greg brings up a good point. This feels like a week where one pointers could be 10 pointers or 10 pointers could be one pointers by the end of the week, which is so true. It's like what's betting where it's like, Oh, you're going to get the line when it's at the most inefficient. That's basically every pick we're going to be making today. And it could be more efficient, could be less efficient. We won't know. Um, how about Hunter? How about on her red fro outscoring Nick Chubb? Is that something that strikes your fancy? I mean, that's a three pointer. <sighs> I don't know. I can't get back in with threes. I, I would have to hit so many threes to feel good about this. How about Hunter Renfro outscores Nick Chubb by four and a half? Um, let me see here. Hmm. The projection. Okay. Seven by make it five and a half and it's a 10 pointer. All right, I'll take that. I don't even have a lot of faith in this because also no Kareem Hunt in this game. If you guys missed that one, that's not a COVID-related one. That's just an injury one. Uh, but yeah, Hunter Renfro, uh, hopefully Hunter Renfro can do that. Hunter, uh, Darren Waller going to be out. This again. game has been moved to uh, Monday, To Monday, correct? yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then there's two that have been moved to Tuesday, the Washington, Philly, and Los Angeles. Yep, uh, Seattle. Seattle, yeah. All right, next game, and this is now uh, this is a Saturday game now, so we're going from Tuesday to Saturday, and we're probably going to talk about that Raiders game again, so maybe we shouldn't have given a ride or die pick, but too bad. We did it anyway. New England, 21.5 implied points. Indianapolis, a favorite here, 24 implied points. Uh, line looks pretty efficient as well, 45.5-point line on the books. Edge Sports, edjsports.com, 100,000 simulations, has it as a 45-point line, and also worth pointing out, the over was a good bet yesterday, as we mentioned on the show. Uh, I'll go first, though, Pete, and this is probably a showdown, so let's do a showdown captain for the Saturday game. And I will take, uh, I'll take old Ramondre Stevenson. I'll hope that he could somehow beat Jonathan Taylor. Though now that opens you up to take Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, I'm going to take Jonathan Taylor, uh, but I wanted to take Ramondre because he's such a fun pick. He is a fun pick and I'm glad that, you know what, Pete, that's what Ryder die picks have been about for me. It's been about the fun, not about winning. That clearly, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> And now on to Sunday, I think Jets 15.8 implied points, Miami 25.3 implied points. Uh, the books have this as a 41 point line. Edge Sports has it as a 48 point line. So uh, interesting juice on the over there. Pete, you can go first. Yeah, I'm going to do a classic 10 pointer. 
And I'm going to say without Jalen Waddle playing, Mike Gusecki finds his way into the winning Millie Maker lineup. Interesting. No, that's that's logical. Good amount of ownership on Mike Gusecki, but less than Devontae Parker. So I'm with you on that one. And you know what? I'll leverage against that pick. Pete, go into an old-fashioned Millie Maker lineup pick as well for one Miles Gaskin. And if only if only he were out and Patrick Laird were in, I'd pick Patrick Laird to be in the Millie Maker winner. But it's unfortunately Miles Gaskin season. Thank you for understanding Patrick Laird's greatness. And what I, I mean, we were really deprived of that uh, the the past week or so with these guys out. It should have been. We should have had Laird season. He honestly, I really think that given this offense and how they've played all year and also, you know, to him not running around that much, he would have legitimately put up a 20 fantasy point day and been like, and you would have had unlimited mileage on that for about uh, probably the rest of the season. Rest of my life, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Honestly, you were the first to bring him to the mainstream. I will never not take that credit away from you, uh, or I'll never take that credit away. I guess uh, double negative might apply I, as I well. Got, I got you. I got you. <laughs> Carolina, 17 implied points. Buffalo, 27.5 implied points. A low ball QB, uh, PJ Walker in this one potentially, and I guess I have to go first. And I will take... Boy, this one not looking great. Um, Devin Singletary, 100 yards and a touchdown. Is that a 10-pointer? Yeah, a hundred rushing yards. Yep. Yeah. All right. It's, it he, he really had a lot of snaps last week, which I, I'm hoping means some degree of trust. But knowing the Bills, they'll go to Zach Moss this week, and it'll all be completely blown up. Yeah. Um. All right. I will. I will say. Give me ten points if Gabriel Davis outscores Stefan Dix. No. No. I don't think that's ten. I mean, their projection is pretty bigly different not with with manny out with with sanders yeah i don't know why i call them manny like we've been long we've what do you what projections do you have for them um let me i have let's see all right i normally we a 10 point gap or or projection gap is when we're into 10 point territory so i would have digs at 15.6 and gabriel davis at 12 wow, you are down on digs. Then I need to do, uh, then I need to do something with digs. That'll give me a 10 pointer. Uh, if digs is over 25 points. Yeah. I mean, I, I think see like I'm off, I've been off on digs pretty much all year compared to the other people's projections. Cause they're looking a lot more at the, the longer term sample of digs last year. Um, and I see Osmo has got digs at 17.6. I feel like 25 is still reasonable. I'll give you the 10 pointer, but it's going to, this one's going to hurt when you win this one correctly. Yeah. Well, I had to use your own projections against you. You weren't going to give me the EV bet there, so that I had to take the other side. Well, Davis ran 65 routes last week, so that's also what fucks it up a little bit because he's only been running like 28 per game normally. So that's yeah. that does bump him up in my projections, and um, I haven't projected the same as Dawson Knox and a little bit of Cole Beasley, which quite the right. turn for Gabriel Davis since we were on the we had a reef on the show and I bashed him so vigorously. <laughs> Next game up, Tennessee, 21.5 implied points. Pittsburgh also 21.5 implied points. It's a pick 'em here, and uh, I guess I do. I have to go first. No, you get to go first. Okay. Yeah. Um. This is an interesting game. Let's see. Hmm. I will do. How about. How about. uh, I feel like this is a classic. This is a three pointer. I'll do Deonta Foreman outscores Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, I think that's that's a honestly it might be closer to a four or a five, but I think it's yeah three three works for me. Sadly, um, we don't have those. No, we're we're all out of stock. System. They've been out of stock yeah. all year long. And the supply chain, Pete, has really been <laughs> fucking up the points in the rider die picks. Yes, uh, I will go. Najee Harris. What if he were a top three running back on the week? If Najee Harris was a top three running back on the week, uh, he's projected. I guess if we're, so I was looking at main slate projections, so you don't have, you know, Chubb. So you're saying across so yeah, all. I'm saying for the main slate, for the Sunday slate. Okay. For the Sunday slate, he projects as a top three. Does so okay, to me, so. that would be a three pointer. What if he were top two? No, that okay. would be like a five pointer. 
Well, then not to be top Millie maker winning. <laughs> yeah, just put him in the Millie Maker lineup at that <laughs> yeah. point. At that point, there was nothing else to squeeze. So you had Najee Harris. I've given out two running backs here. Miles Gaskin and Najee Harris, both going to win you a million dollars this week. Next game, we got Washington. I, this one is now on Tuesday, but we're still going to do it in this order. Washington, 14.3 implied points. Watch for line movement on this one because that game moving, I presume, is going to make that come up a little bit. Philadelphia, 12-point favorite right now, 26.3 implied points. And Pete, you get to go first for this Tuesday game that we're undoubtedly going to talk about again on monday <laughs> um yeah sorry which game is this uh washington philadelphia oh god yeah um let's see here i will do i will do uh jalen hurts over 30 DraftKings points I mean, yeah, I've got him at 23. Osmo's got him at 23.2. Yeah, I think. Oh, you look, I'm feeling generous here. It's Christmas season, Pete. I won't I won't be Scrooge to you. I'll give you a 10-pointer. All right, I appreciate that. I'll be sure not to return the favor. <laughs> Fucking uh, How? Okay. There's This is so unlikely. This is very, very unlikely. But Garrett Gilbert outscoring Jalen Hurts is a 10-pointer, right? Yes, it is. Okay, so I'm <laughs> I'm going to pick that as my pick and hope that he's still starting by the time Tuesday rolls around. We'll find out. Hopefully we'll know by Monday's show and then I can adjust if that's the case. Uh, next game, we got Houston, 17.5 implied points. Jacksonville, 22 implied points. A line of this one's 39.5. Edge Sports has it as 42, so not a lot of value on the over, but still maybe worth an over bet. And um, Pete, you can go first again. Okay. Um, sorry. I'm I've been distracted. What Houston game? in Jacksonville. All right. I'm actually this game could actually be fun and I have to go back to the Visca. Well, I mean, I absolutely have to. Um, <laughs> oh, of course. Yes, I do. Um, Visca. Price at forty three hundred. I will say. What do, 10 points if Visca outscores James Robinson? No, no, not quite. Not, we don't know. James Robinson's usage could still be where maybe Daryl Bevel's been the one who's been whispering to Urban Myers here. All right, tell me, Myers. tell me the number he has to outscore him by. <sighs> All right, so I'm seeing Viscott 10.4, James yep. Robinson. I have him at 16.7. Osmo's got him at 20.6. Yep. So, like yeah, it's... I, I, ETR has him at 16.7. We can use that. Oh, okay. So interesting. All right, so I would say he's probably got to get to like, four and a half more than james robinson all right done I, even that doesn't feel good enough if i'm being honest um well, it's you already made the deal no welching all right let's let's go let's go for some good old-fashioned leverage james robinson doubles up lavisca chenault is that 10 points classic leverage uh doubles up uh yes Okay, good. Thank God. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Scrooge, for allowing yeah. me that one. Arizona, 30 implied points. Detroit, 17. What a fucking dumpster fire of games. <laughs> 17 implied points for Detroit. James Conner's status up in the air, though, does seem like most of the projection systems think that he's going to be playing. Chase Edmonds also scheduled to return. No DeAndre Hopkins. No TJ Hawkinson. And uh, the Lions running backs, Pete, I don't know what's going on there. I presume that Swift won't play, but Williams will. Yeah, I... I'm kind of surprised they just haven't shut down DeAndre Swift mm -hmm. yet at this point. Um, let's see here. Um, it does sound like Chase Edmonds is going to play. Um, God, if there was ever a spot to do your top five scores uh, from a game on, on <laughs> Arizona. Like the, top eight. <laughs> it really is. All right, let me get funky. 10-pointer if Craig Reynolds outscores James Conner. <laughs> yeah, that's a 10-pointer. That's a 10-pointer. Right, I'll take it. Um, what if Zach Ertz were to outscore all the other pass catchers? Is that a 10-pointer? In the entire game? Uh, I mean, yeah, I don't think that changes the equation too much. <laughs> I was thinking the right. Cardinals, but yeah. Well, yeah, well, I, I'd like a Monra tossed in there sure okay i would if that's 10 i'll take it all right sounds good okay good let's go zach Ertz. go dallas 27.5 implied points the giants 16.5 implied points and i think i'm due to go first on something here and this is not the one to do that with um sterling shepherd highest scoring skill position player in the game is that 10 
yeah. Okay. There's like enough Cowboys guys, but they're all they're all so flat to me, like the Cowboys projections. Yeah, so he has to outscore Gallup, Amari, Barkley, C D, and Zeke. Yeah. I mean, and also yeah. Tony Pollard is apparently going to be back. Yes. And I, yeah, no. I only have projected for half a point less than Sterling Shepard. So I don't have the most confidence in this one, but I feel like I got okay value. All right. Yeah. That's a 10 pointer. Um, can I get 10 points if CD Lamb outscores Mike Glennon and Z or uh, Mike Glennon and Barkley combined? Hmm. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll I'll take that one for ten. I, CD's snaps have been down, so I don't know what's going on there. I know that Nana Pete was all over him yesterday, um, and his fine lamb chops. But I would say that overall, that's that seems like a fair bet. That's probably stupid on my end. Huh? I think it's pretty smart on your bet <laughs> on your end. Good job. Uh, also, Carlos Hyde, Greg R saying Carlos Hyde's out this week. I didn't even know that. Yeah, that's part of why Robinson's projection looks so good. Oh, that makes more sense. Oh, good. I feel better about that bet then. Oh, he's for sure going to crush Visca. There's no chance. All right, then I'd like a few more points back. <laughs> you get 10 and a half. For, you don't need the points, Pete. I need the points. I need the charity of others out there to help me out. Uh, Cincinnati, 20.5 implied points. Denver, 23.5 implied points. Pete, you can go first. Yeah, I will do something involving. Javante Williams was back at practice um let's see how many i want to would you give me 10 points if tyler boyd outscores or is the is the highest scoring wide receiver in this game i will if you give me jamar chase being worth 10 points being the top scoring pass catcher in the game no, because Jamar that, Chase projects as the highest scoring wide receiver in the game. Does he? Yes. <laughs> no, I think actually he does. He does. He does for me too. I was hoping that maybe I could have a counterpoint and I don't. Um, okay, so I'll give you the Tim Pat. Well, you said Tim Patrick, highest scoring no, pass catcher? No, Tyler Boyd. Tim Patrick oh, would be an equivalent play. Okay, Jamar Chase, highest scoring skill position player is a 10. Outsc uh no, because he's got to beat Mixon, Williams, and Gordon. No, uh, if you want to do highest scoring player in the game, including the QBs, I'll allow it. Okay, you know what? I'll take. I was actually going to offer that next, so I'll take that. That seems like a reasonable middle ground, and we both get what we want here. Cincinnati wide receivers is everybody. That's <laughs> everybody will do. Also, P Mac Daddy saying, why isn't anyone in the DFS community calling out the COVID nineteen scam? PCR test doesn't test for COVID nineteen yet. NFL scamming them all, rigging games with it. Step up and speak out. I read the comment, Pete, so I think I stepped up and spoke out. Yeah, and I, I I'll just say I'll admit I did ex um, accept money from roger goodell to not speak out on the COVID scam as a dfs player they have been going around and paying some of us off and so i really can't say much more than that pmac i actually accepted money from the anthropomorphic COVID virus that's on the thumbnail thought looked very handsome thought seemed very reputable um so that was what i went to and i think that i've honestly never looked back since taking that 20 dollars bill from COVID. <laughs> we all got to cash these checks somehow <laughs> Atlanta, 18.5 implied points. San Francisco, 28 implied points. Uh, pretty solid line on this one, Pete. Maybe a little bit of an edge on the over for this one as well, according to edgesports.com. And um, I think you went first last time, so I'll go first on this one. Uh, what are we doing? What are we doing with Debo? That's the question I have. Um, They're basically using him as a glorified running back now. His routes are all down. I know. And his targets are down. Nothing is going there. <sighs> I, I guess what if he were the top pass catcher, top scoring pass catcher in the game, is that worth 10 points now, given how he's being used completely differently lately? No, because he projects as the highest pass catcher in the game by like five points. The thing is, like, I need Elijah Mitchell to play, and I think that would be, or Eli Mitchell, as his friends call him. Um, I feel like I would need him to play for Debo to get there because I don't think he gets there if Mitchell's out. Yeah, um, I don't know. You need to rethink your proposition i'm not giving you a 10 pointer for what is literally projected to happen all right i'll go back to this bet which i don't think has worked out yet but i think pete if we were to look at the projections it's hard to argue that mike davis is not significantly behind cordero patterson what if we were to say that mike davis were to outscore cordero patterson in fantasy points this week um i always use that like 10 point threshold uh 
So if he outscores him by more than three points, I'll give you 10. Okay. I've, I've got Mike Davis at 7.6 Cordero at 18. So that's why I feel like it's pretty fair straight up. That 18. I mean, you're sand, you're sandbagging your own projections. I'm seeing 14.1 for Patterson. Well, it's like, it's a 50, 50 split on snaps. So again, the, the snaps are the thing for me. Um, I will, t- how about Mike Davis minus eight and a half? Uh, Mike Davis minus eight and a so half. So like getting eight and a half point. He's got to score eight and a half more than Cordero. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. I'll take that as a 10. All right. Even though what I said want? 10, but whatever. We're all we're all making sacrifices. Um all right. I will do the exact same thing, uh, like similar construct, and I'll do Kyle Pitts outscores uh George Kittle by seven and a half. I think honestly, yeah, I think that's a fair one. Kyle Pitts, I I would say Kyle Pitts is right there amongst my top five disappointments on the year. It's a, been a huge disappointment. I, I really thought he was going to be Randy Moss. I was buying that hype. I don't know if it's our Smith's fault. I don't know if it's Matt Ryan's fault, but it crushes me. And shout out Silas in the chat. Did Forgot about Splash Play, which I'll say is offensive overall in its face. But Silas, one of our regulars here, and still hit the like button. We appreciate that. So if you are watching, whether it be live or after the fact, please hit the like button. It helps us get seen by more people, which we need because we might have demonetized ourselves by putting COVID in <laughs> the title of this video green bay 25 implied points baltimore 18.5 implied points lamar jackson apparently a potential chance to play in this game pete but besides that uh seems like all the core guys should be going for the most part yeah although i was it yesterday that rogers and aaron jones didn't practice or was that today uh jones didn't practice yesterday i didn't see today's reports okay um all right i i, I want to do something with I'll say AJ Dillon in the winning Millie Maker lineup. Okay, that's an inarguable ten, uh, right off the shelf kind of ten. Um, yeah, and no assembly required. Um, no, no, yeah, no, no dads angrily cursing at that ten pointer having <laughs> to put that together for the holiday. You don't have to look up instructions on the internet or a YouTube tutorial on how to do it. <laughs> no, Alan just that pointer. ten pointer. No, sir. Okay, uh, T Money right. does say uh, Jones practice today. Okay, I stand yeah. by my AJ Dillon Millie take though. I think that's a reasonable one, especially if Lamar doesn't go and they do the salts in the game away with AJ Dillon thing again. Um, hmm. Well, this one is a shitty. Uh, what? It, so given that right now, Pete, it is a six and a half point spread against Baltimore at home. What if I were to say Baltimore were to win by three and a half points, thus accounting for a 10 point differential from Vegas? Uh, Baltimore. What? Sorry. What's the spread right now? It's a six and a half right now uh, against Baltimore. But I'm saying that Baltimore will win by three and a half. Sure. I'll let you tease that. To okay. Plus there 10. That's a 10 pointer. This, this game's on Tuesday now. Seattle and the Rams, 20.5 implied points for Seattle, 25 for the Rams. Pete, what do you want in this game that we're going to talk about again on Monday? It does look like uh, we had some news. I saw Odell just tweeted that he tested negative. So hmm. I'm guessing that means he'll be able to play by uh, by Tuesday. We might just be talking about his STD tests, which I'm sure are also thriving. <laughs> um, I don't know. This this one's so hard because we don't know what Henderson is, if he's going to be available. We don't know if Lockett will will be back by here. So I'll just say, um, I think 10-pointer DK Metcalf outscores Cooper Cup. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, based off the projections, I guess you have to. Even yeah, even with lock it out, you probably have to. All right, fine. That's a ton pointer. It's, it's a clever a ten pointer. It's very, it's very <laughs> cheeky. I would say. Do you? But rather cheeky indeed. Um, I will say, what if Rashad Penny were to outscore whomever starts for the Rams at running back? Who? First so... round bust, Rashad Penny. Um, how about this? Instead of just, I just want a little language tweak. The whoever starts just outscores the highest scoring Rams running back. I assume okay. that's what you meant. 
Okay, yeah, no, that's that's a reasonable. And you're like the Supreme Court. <laughs> like, you got well, to... I just don't want like one guy like Darrell Henderson gets the first touch, and then you're like, I just I can't deal with that shit. No, you know you're right, and that was completely fair. I was just like, wow, that's how far we've covered this game. That was like very specific and clear language we need to get the law passed. New Orleans, seventeen point five implied points. Tampa Bay, twenty nine implied points. And uh, this is this is the Sunday nighter, so this should be the last one, other than the games that will cover again on monday sorry which game is this um this is the tampa bay and new orleans oh, tampa bay. all right um this one should be fun um you know what i'm going i'm going so rogue i know leonard fournette uh practiced today and they said he's gonna play but he was missing practices earlier i'll say 10 pointers ronald jones outscores leonard fournette yeah, I think that's a 10-pointer. I think that's... <laughs> I don't even know where you're going with the thesis of that play, which I know are usually pretty sound for you, Pete. No, I, I just explained the thesis. He didn't practice all week and was uh, appears pretty limited heading oh, honestly, into Honestly, I was reading a slack. <laughs> <laughs> that's the downside of technically being on the, on the work timing and getting those. Um, all right, that's fair. Uh, I will take a showdown captain, as we traditionally do, and I will take showdown-winning captain Tom Brady to step on up... <laughs> given that you went a different direction all right fine go for it take it <laughs> that's a 10 pointer pete what are you doing this week what are you are you doing a special saturday cram for the the no. showdown new england colts game no i need to take saturday off it's been a long week um yeah i will be back sunday i think i might just push back my show just a little bit um just so i can be live when an actives hit and we can uh we can talk through stuff so yeah i'll be back on uh sunday a.m. around 10 30. All right. So make sure to subscribe to Pete's channel here. He's so close on this March to 10K. So do that right now. Tell a friend, tell roughly 19 friends, and we should be there by the next time Pete does a show. Make sure to follow at Chris Specs, follow at Peter Overzet, and follow at Splash Play Pod. And also make sure to go to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. Again, 99 cents a week on there for all the great data that'll help you make better line decisions and get on some of the right plays. That's what you can get at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. Um, let's see anything else for you, Pete. I feel like there are a couple questions in the chat, but nothing. I think, uh, what will happen with that Saturday millionaire maker? Jake asked, they're just going to reschedule it or, or cancel that term and then make a showdown. Melly would be my thought. Yeah. I, I think they'll just refund people and, uh, and respin up showdown contests or beef up the showdown contest for the, the night game. Yeah, but definitely the showdown for the Colts and Patriots will be the big thing there. But any final words for you, Pete, or any other, I mean, any other HBO shows you want to recommend on the way out? <laughs> Uh, I, I have been catching up on the new season of Curb. Um, oh, great. I, did you watch Sur- no, did you watch Survivor? Do you watch Survivor? I do not. I know it's it's okay. gaining in popularity again in a way that's confusing to me. It's it's good. It's it's <laughs> it's a fun show. Um, the finale was on Wednesday, and so I had takes on that, but I won't I won't indulge you with that. Okay, well, watch Survivor and then uh, watch Splash Play back on Monday. We'll be doing shows Monday and Thursday next week, it looks like. So you can come hang out with us then. No Christmas Eve show because we'll be busy doing uh, other Christmas-related things. But come tune in then. Of course, subscribe to the Splash Play channel and Peach channel. And go give this podcast five stars and review an Apple podcast if you haven't yet. That is a Christmas gift I'm dying for that nobody wants to give me. So please, go to Apple Podcasts, give us five stars and review. And we'll see you guys on Monday. Survive this weekend and see you soon. (laughs) 